be talking Seinfeld tonight. We have our second all-time guest star, mm. Nick Sperduti, coming to us live from New York City. Oh my! Yeah, God. the home, the home of Seinfeld and various scenes that they shot there, including a lot of really bad Kramer guys, guys that look like <laughs> sort of look like Kramer. <laughs> If you watch back to those episodes, it seemed appropriate to bring you on for this one, man, because you have uh, you have a really great background in improv comedy. You and I have sure. talked Seinfeld more times than I can count. Six. I'm just sick that. Like, it... <laughs> I loved a couple years ago. I saw that you and your fellow Nick, Mr. Pelloey, went and checked out the the actual set that the the pop up set that they had, and I thought that was super. We cool. did. It was it was great. I mean, it it was very fun. I got to look around the makeshift apartment that they put there and and yeah it was a great time got to do the kramer entrance all that good stuff although they were very (laughs) cautious because i don't think the door was very strong and i think people were being a little too much like kramer and breaking it so they kind of only let us walk through slowly (laughs) so it really didn't uh, have the same effect yeah, I'm sure a ton of people were trying that with how popular oh, yeah. that was. Yeah, a ton of people. But it was fun. I enjoyed myself. I got to do the George photo shoot, too. Those pictures are out there somewhere, probably. They had a George photo shoot? Yeah, you could lay on the couch like, like he does a, in the episode. Like whenever he's with, laying uh, on the couch? Yeah, laying on the couch. You, got, you know, took my shirt off for it. And um, <laughs> they did let you, if you wanted to go boxers, that was, that was an option, too. I don't think I did. I don't remember exactly. That whole that whole time was a bit of a haze for me. I was in my boxes a lot, so I don't really remember. But <laughs> I don't think I did. When it's the world is only the worse off for it. <laughs> Probably, yeah, or better. Yeah, looking looking through at the history of the show, um, it's had a really profound impact through the years. I mean, it it's probably I would say at least one of the top two, if not the most famous sitcom of all time. Yeah, well. It was regarded widely as the best for years and years. And I think The Office took a little bit of that once that got its whole run in. But yeah, I mean, it was always my favorite as a young person still is to this day. Yeah, I thought it was interesting because it really was born out of the friendship of Jerry and Larry David. They pitched it initially to NBC as how a comedian gets his material, but it was very clear that like as the show went on that that was like not their real intention for the show. Yeah, that well, was a gimmick to help them get it sold. I think, I think that was always the idea. It, it just that it finally morphed into its final form, and they kind of realized that that aspect of the show wasn't necessarily what made the show so good. Eventually, it was just the relationships between the main four characters, and they all had their own very unique personalities. So it was a little bit more focused on these friends living in New York and not those friends, but friends living in New York as opposed to just one comedian and his wacky friends. Yeah. And I think, I think they kind of knew if they had pitched it as the aptly named later on show about nothing that it never would have sold. And I think that that's partly why in the episode's arc of the pitch, I think that's what makes it so funny because they kind of played it like, well, what if we did pitch it as the show about nothing? Yeah, I mean, it was a it it was a a very self-referential show, especially later on. Yeah, like I think they largely knew what it was like as as it evolved. And like it was just it kind of in the same way that Sonny knew it was just a group of characters that like you loved to dislike. But like at the same time, like they're definitely like terrible people. I think I think Sonny has always been just like Seinfeld minus the redemption. There's no redeeming qualities about any of their characters. 
And in Seinfeld, there are a few, and they're not quite. A, and they're 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 Upper West Side people. I mean, even the episode where Kramer goes downtown, he's like, it's like it's the craziest thing in the world that he has a a girlfriend <laughs> that lives downtown, and he actually has to travel twenty five minutes on the subway to get there. That's that's how far it would have or long it would have actually taken him. But it was just it was just such a foreign world to them that they couldn't relate to the common person as much treating it almost like like a long distance relationship <laughs> exactly yeah i mean he gets to avenue of first and first and remarks that it must be the nexus of the universe because how can a street run into itself <laughs> that almost reminds me of the one episode two what was the one the elaine elaine finds the opposite the opposite jerry the opposite kramer and the opposite and bizarro. the bizarro jerry that's it the bizarro jerry <laughs> mm-hmm. like, i've seen that one memed so many times it's so good yeah i mean it was a very fun idea at the time just the idea that they all have these opposite characters. I mean, I assume they were drawing on, I mean, I know they were drawing on Superman, but I feel they were probably drawing on Star Trek and some of the others that have done that before. But it was, it was just definitely something to see this generous, good sided version of those four characters. And then us further coming to terms with our despicable group. That's a, there's a great line in that episode, even where I think Elaine is talking and, and George wants to join them. And she goes, Oh, we already have a George. I always really like that. <laughs> <laughs> also, like I also love like part of that episode is like it kind of shows like in different parts of the show. It's like they they give everybody chance to be the center of the group. Mm-hmm. It's like in that episode, Elaine very much was like the centerfold of what was going on. Yeah, they do definitely worked on an A plot, B plot, C plot structure, and every member got an A plot at some point. Kramer left, I think, but um, definitely George, Jerry, and Elaine got a lot of A plots. Yeah. With Jerry getting the most because it was his show and it makes sense. Yeah. It's funny, though, because I think um, not that he doesn't work as well, but I think that the other characters of the show are just slightly more interesting than he is. So, like, when they do get more time, I do think it draws more interest. Well, I mean, because George is basically Larry David. Yeah, I think it, it comes down to Jerry wasn't an actor, never claimed to be, still doesn't yeah. claim to be to this day. He was his his quality and draw in the show is that he can really deliver a joke and he's really good at it and he yes, can really absolutely. deliver a line and it f-ing sells when he does it it's great but when it comes to any sort of actual acting in the show it relied on three of the maybe the greatest talents we've seen as far as sitcom acting goes ever i mean one of which may be the greatest sitcom star we've had in our lifetime maybe maybe with Ted Danson up there, speaking of Julia Louis-Dreyfus, yeah. I mean, just think about her hits and like what she's been able to do. I mean, between Seinfeld and the old adventures of New Christine and Veep and just having such shows that relied on her natural ability and her just magnetism. She's had like three big top hits now just with those three. But then on top of that, yeah, she's now part of Marvel and kicking around. Well, now, yeah, yeah. Those were just sitcom specific. But yeah, she certainly expanded from there. She even had a really great comedy hit. um, What was it? Enough Said with one of the last movies that James Gandolfini did. I mean, the two of them were a dynamo. That was Melissa or uh, was it Melissa? I'm sorry. Hall of Center. I remember her last name more than her first name. Um, That was a a really great hit. And she just did... um, you hurt my feelings with her as well. Um, but I did see, I saw in theaters. Yeah. And I enjoyed that as well. She can play all of that. And Nicole, Nicole Hall Center, that's it. She'd always slips my mind. But yeah, but I mean, 
Yeah, she can lead a movie. She can lead a show. She just really has some of the best natural timing of anybody. Also, she has a podcast, which is freaking great if you haven't heard it. <laughs> I don't think I knew that, actually. I'm, I didn't I'm know that either. Interested. In that. I gotta the, check that what, out. Is it, just, is it just like the Julia Louis-Dreyfus? Or no, I'm sorry. It's a great show. It's called Wiser Than Me. Um, they did the oh, first okay. season. I think there was 10 episodes of it, which I've, I've listened to all of them. Um, it's about her talking to women older women than her and people that have had more life experiences or different life experiences including i mean she talks to rhea perlman she talks to um jane fonda's the first episode it's a it's i mean she has some really great friends friend Leibowitz is a great episode uh she does a really great one with um Oh, well, what's her name? Um, Darlene Love, the singer. and Oh, okay, wow. Diane von Furstenberg. I mean, the, the fashion designer. She she had some, they're really interesting episodes, and she's just herself on there, and it's really nice. Yeah, she can do it all, this woman. What is the key, you think, to like, what, what made Seinfeld work so well? Was it just, like, if it if it never existed, if it, could it be made today and still be as big, or was it a thing with just Oh, it definitely right could time? not be made today, at least not the same way that it was. Uh, you know, I would say that it wouldn't be able to be made today. Yeah, I don't know. It's just a different world and structure we're in now. I think what made it work so well at the time was it felt real. The characters felt real. A lot of the plot points felt real. I also think it was way ahead of its time. Like there was nothing that had been done like it before. Yeah. In that style and fashion. Yeah, they were ripping off a lot of stories, like one after another, that were the writer's inspirations and things that happened to them in real life. So it felt relatable. And yeah, the situations could get zany, for lack of a better term. But yeah, I, I think that it was just a fun group of friends. You wanted to be involved. And the storylines, just the, the writing itself, they were telling jokes like no one had told jokes on television because they were jokes like you and I would tell as opposed to jokes <laughs> that that you would see on a typical sitcom at the time, just like big gags and big punchline jokes. They weren't, It wasn't that sort of humor. It's interesting that you bring that up because I've heard it a couple of times in regards to like reviews and stuff on the show and like deep dives on like the philosophy. And it's like the way that it's written, it's like you do often most of the way that the, the characters build through the course of the series and just the way each episode kind of unfolds. You, you do kind of feel the fifth member of that group. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least you want to be, you know, because you're so invested because they are just so day to day i think that's why sunny does even by their own attributing to being similar style of humor but it's i feel like they both both shows kind of get down into that hyper focusing on the unimportant mundane thing yeah each of these characters gets so obsessed with seemingly just the most every other normal person would just move past like whatever the thing is that they just get so obsessed with in whatever episode and i feel like there's a certain level of of absurdity that to that that just lets you kind of slow down well it's relatable you get bothered when the way people eat or the way people speak. <laughs> That's why Curb Your Enthusiasm did so well, too, because it was that same sort of thing coming from Larry, where this idea of, yeah, hyper-focusing on mundanity and, and just really bothering with the crap that typically you wouldn't bother with on a TV show. You might bother with it in real life because it's in front of you, but you wouldn't have to deal with yeah. it on a TV show because they, they look for a super a specific plot that makes it feel bigger and, and that wasn't the point it was it was about trying to make things that we all deal with and 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 focus on the absurdity of them 
Yeah, and one, one of my all-time favorite stories from the show, and I feel it's it, it kind of pays tribute to the fact that the show had such a big draw to actors at the time. Were very talented, but not very known in a lot of cases. It was, you had Anna Gunn and yeah. you know, Brian Cranston coming out of the woodwork, and they all later on became super famous. But yeah. I, I think one of my favorite stories from behind the scenes of the show was Cran one of Cranston's first appearances on the show. Jerry goes to see him in the capacity of a dentist. I think Cranston shared this on Conan or something. He was lurking around the set trying to work out his mannerisms. And he said one of the lighting techs nosed into what he was doing and said, hey, man, you should like take a huff of the gas <laughs> you know, in the middle of it. <laughs> and Cranston actually worked it into the bit. And it's one of the funniest things in the show because he just huffs it in the middle when he's going to be working on Jerry's face. <laughs> like. Yeah, it's a brilliant moment. There's a lot of little things that on that show that made it so good. I mean, you're talking about guest stars. I mean, they had so many guest stars that were just, at the time, yeah, not as well known. But, would, I mean, Patton Oswalt was on the show. I mean, Courtney Cox was on the show. Denise Richards. I mean, people that were Mariska Haggerty. I mean, so many names that would come later. James Spader was on the show. I mean, just, you know, yeah. Bob Odenkirk. He, I James mean, it was, it was crazy. So Sarah good. Silverman. I mean, just a, a mass group. Yeah, it, there's the talent and drawn. It was not even just the fact that they had cameos of these people who you see a million times over the over and over and over again. But is they always would come in and really bring their a game to like this unique voice of this show. That it was how do you project this this style on someone? But after a while, everybody really did start to get it. And people who did come on had that Seinfeld language of all these different hyper quotable moments. Like mm -hmm. this, the, the show really did develop its own voice in terms of style. Yeah, I mean for sure. One of the things they talked about doing that I think also brought people in was that they used a lot of real things at the time. They used a lot, most, if they were going to talk about a bank, they would talk about a real bank that exists. Chemical Bank is a real bank that existed. They would talk yeah. about real, the, the names of real restaurants and, and real brands and everything. They didn't care. And there's a, I think I remember hearing Larry David talk about it and just, you know, I mean, using a Major League Baseball team, multiple Major League Baseball teams, and just yeah. using how often do you see that in shows? Half the time, if they're in movies, they're fake or TV shows, yeah, they're yeah. fake. They're not they don't get the permission and they didn't ask for permission. They just used it. And at the time, it was the biggest show in the world or it was getting to be. And so they were, well, what, you know, I guess. Great. Glad they're using us. They, they got the owner of, yeah. of, of, of that team in the Bronx. I don't like to say their name because I'm a Red Sox fan. <laughs> but <laughs> they got the owner of that team to actually film scenes to be in the show. He wasn't good enough. Which is insane. So they didn't let him in. And then so they, wait, they said, did actually. So wait, they did actually. I yeah, there are several scenes. Film them. Okay. okay. You can watch scenes. There's a scene, I think, with him and Elaine. He was supposed to, she was supposed to be his date for something. And they actually had him film some things. And Larry David had to tell him that it didn't work out. And he was just all right. Tell me, tell tell me straight. I'm a big boy. I can handle it. And he just had to tell him. But yeah, sorry, we went a different way. And then it was Larry doing the voice for the rest of the series, and it became one of the funniest reoccurring things. Yeah, yeah. Was, Part of what I watch the show for in rewatches every time is just to pick out in the background dialogue when Larry is like all the all the Larry David characters. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of them. So good, so freaking. Good. Yeah, there's a ton of them. Even his, even him, even his visage. I mean, he's in there a whole bunch of times too. Yeah, he's the Coast Guard guy that picks them up the one time, and then I think <laughs> he's the man in the cage. Yeah, uh, I think George tries yeah, to yeah, exchange yeah. a twenty dollar bill. It turns out it was the twenty dollar bill that he drew the the lipstick on, and he said, um, 
I'm sorry, we don't accept bills of lipstick on the president. That was him in the thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's, he's everywhere. <laughs> so good. Oh, also, the, there's the from the voice cameos too. The episode, the marine biologist episode. <laughs> Every time I hear it, saying, yeah. saying, "Is there anybody? Is anybody here, here a marine biologist?" Yeah. <laughs> well, that's any time I'm. If, if, no, I was to say if I'm if I'm out golfing, not that I golf, but I'm always like, "Is that a titleist?" That's a really good <laughs> introduction to something, by the way, Matt. When I'm out golfing, not that I golf. <laughs> when I'm out skiing, not that I ever go skiing. But when I do... I have literally never been skiing, but well, when I'm I bad do. at it. I'm bad at it. Mostly people invite me to feel better about their golf game. I, mi- I mini golf, okay, but that's about it. Yeah, it's a pity invite. You know, Matt, I bet you're shit at that, too, if I'm being honest. <laughs> yeah, a couple drinks. A couple drinks, yeah. I might be okay. If we're going to lay it on the table here, I bet you're that too i haven't been golfing in god knows how long I, I won one free game in my life i'd say that's doing pretty good Ooh. yeah i know it's on your tinder profile yeah. isn't it oh uh, it is it is <laughs> hey you'd be surprised you'd be surprised you've you've hit him you've you've hit on his tinder profile yeah. haven't you if you know that i did yeah i swiped right i was into it <laughs> i would too Oh, Jesus Christ, this guy won a free game, mini golf? Holy free hell. Game? Damn. Imagine how he is in the sack. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. But back to the show. I'm just kidding. You, whatever you want to do. Yeah, back to back to Seinfeld <laughs> and why we're talking. But uh, um, yeah, I always, I always found it interesting how George is kind of an amalgam of just Larry David real world stories. Yeah, well, and Woody Allen. I mean, he was playing Woody Allen at first too, uh, and you can yeah. hear it more in the in the original um, in the original Seinfeld Chronicles, the original pilot, um, Sans yeah. Elaine, um, and you can you can hear that voice, and you can hear him, and you can see his mannerisms leaning a little bit more toward that direction. And I think one of the best moments that wasn't a Seinfeld moment, but was, was on Curb when they had the whole cast and, and you have George trying to teach Larry how to play. There was, there was a moment off camera where he's trying to teach Larry how to play George. And I think that's a really yeah, great. I, lo- I love that moment. Yeah. Talk about universes colliding on themselves. <laughs> yeah. Worlds are colliding. Yeah. And killing independent George. <laughs> Oh man, how about the the whole thing with the Susan storyline? Hold on, I want to get back to Matt's mini golf. I'm just kidding. Right, okay. Okay. Yes. All right. <laughs> no. No. What would you like to know? Because we gotta we got time. No, no, no. I'm all good. Um, I bet you're great. Um, what's your what's your what's your handicap? No, uh, free party. Susan parking. storyline was absolutely like <laughs> lunacy, and the fact that that was put in and season four especially. I mean, that's just next level writing. The lead up, the build up, everything. I would kill to be like a fly on the wall in their writer's room because they had to have it had to have had total chaos going on. Well, I feel like a lot of them were in the writer's room and then Jerry and Larry would just kind of go off by themselves and and write uh, and revise and change and make the show what it was. And um, they had their own office across from each other. They would sit and uh, desk facing each other and and just kind of put it together. Yeah, and it was clear they definitely had final say, but they didn't use that as a stone wall. They let a lot of other ideas get through to the end. Well, it's funny, too, because you can tell the seasons when Larry wasn't there, because there were a few where he where he left and, mm-hmm. and towards the middle of the show he left. And you could see those seasons and the humor that Jerry liked more, the things that Jerry would let in more. There's a lot more like like little repartee and, and a lot more kind of silly banter back and forth. Um, yeah. 
just old gags that he would put in because he found them very funny that Larry all, always wouldn't always let go in the first couple seasons because Larry was the one really who had the final say while he was there. Yeah, because he, he was kind of like the main driving producer for us. Jerry Jerry handled as much as he could, but I mean, he was, you know, spinning a lot of plates, as it were. Yeah, I mean, they, I mean, Julia Louis-Dreyfus has said it multiple times, and, her, and one that I particularly like was her speech to receive the Mark Twain Award, and when she talks about them just killing themselves to make that show what it was, and then once it got even more successful, they worked even harder to, to keep it, and to, yeah. you know, to make it the show that it became after that. That's one of the things I've heard too. Is it's it's easier to get a it's easy to get a successful show going, but not easy to keep one going. It's like I don't think it was easier. I don't think it was easy either way. I mean, do you ever hear about the the talks of them at the beginning? I mean, it was impossible to get it to be what it was, and then once it became that, and the world started to accept it, and everybody started to love it, then it became also just that much more difficult to to maintain. Yeah. Which is like you got to give them credit to, uh, for going out on a high note when they did, and it's I think it does <laughs> lend itself to that credit of the one moment in the they, show. Yeah, they were the number George, one when George is he just keeps walking out of meetings on a high note. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. He's he's doing the Jerry Lewis. I mean, I think that um, it, it was a very I mean clear. I mean Jerry's talked about it. It was the the number one show on television when they decided to to end it. They could have went five more seasons if they wanted or however many more and broken records and whatever else they could have broken the record before Sonny broke the record for most consecutive seasons by yeah. a, a live action sitcom. I think Ozzy and Harriet yeah, was they very the one much held like, it before their own ticket for sure. Yeah. And now Sonny doesn't look like it's ever going to stop. Yeah. I do think another thing that's lent to the credence of the show was it was one of the last iterations of the live studio audience. Not very last, but it was, I think it was greatly benefited by having it because they got real genuine audience collaboration and it wasn't just a laugh track laid over to tell you when to laugh. It was like they were getting genuine laughs out of their audience and it was, it, it does feel natural. And I think there's something robotic about a laugh track in a, in a sitcom when it's just meant to kind of guide you. Yeah, I mean, it's laugh. There's something genuine when it's live. Yeah, there are a few shows off the top of my head I could think that were are really hard to watch for me just based on that. I won't name them. <laughs> I'm waiting, I'm waiting here. here breath. Breath. Yeah, yeah. But those shows. <laughs> but I'm not gonna no more. I'm they like, suffered from it greatly. I yeah. I can cut that out. <laughs> yeah, terrible. I mean, I mean, they're they're not good shows, and it it's because they the humor wasn't what everybody would be laughing at it was what they thought you should laugh at yeah and that's very fair i mean the, the, there's there's when it, when you're faking it, it it's it's noticeable yeah I, it, the material so well it would have to especially be with comedy too yeah yeah for sure i it's weird to me because i've thought about this a lot it, it's always it was also the look of the show because for some reason even though it was in an apartment there was something about that show most of the time that it just doesn't look like any other sitcom um mm -hmm. and i think it was because when it was in jerry's apartment it was very limited it wasn't you we weren't moving from room to room or from apartment to apartment it was it was either there or it was somewhere else it was very it felt very um the, the words escaping me but it, it static as opposed to being incredibly yeah. loose and movie and moving and you're going from the the kitchen to the living room and then we're going outside and everything else. It's also kind of from whenever they would shoot um, 
whenever they would shoot any of the other rooms in any of the apartments, it was they would never use a master. It was always either a tight two shot or a single. Mm-hmm. But it was, you would never really see the whole room except for very small key instances where it was absolutely necessary. But pretty much any time they were just in the center of the apartment, it was that was yeah you were looking at the full master there that's absolutely true i mean it it did feel like it was shot that way specifically and i mean at least maybe incidentally but and i feel like it lent to the iconic nature of what that apartment looked like and most of the most of the locations on the show yeah they were they were great locations i mean they were really they really worked so well i mean we you know since we're on the subject though i do i do find it hilarious that (laughs) there's an architectural impossibility in jerry's apartment there is yeah going from that with that angle of the hallway the the kitchen would be in the hallway and it's only noticeable because i got i got the lego set a couple years ago and i started looking at it i was like wait a minute so when i had it right in front of my face i was like this doesn't make any sense (laughs) (laughs) i have to look this up never yeah so it's i found it funny because i was i I watched that show for how many years and then it hit me yeah i was like 29 i think when i first realized (laughs) that I will say that that is, I I think, a testament to how New York apartments are built. (laughs) Because it's about the most realistic looking apartment I I think I've seen in a television television show, too, sitcom wise, too. It was it was a very realistic living in New York apartments. I'll tell you, that's about as close as it's it's close. I think I think the thing about it, it was so clearly didn't look a soundstage where they built an apartment onto it. It felt more like an actual apartment. Which I think maybe is what did a lot it, it of it. It had that lived-in feeling. Yeah, I mean, even the 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 restaurant. I mean, the diner where they would go. I mean, it was that also felt monks, and it felt like it was a real New York diner, and and they really set it up in a way that it, it worked. Yeah, and their their exteriors too for the New York streets. I know they did occasionally use certain things, but yeah, I mean, they shot a lot on LA sound stages for those, and you. I mean, I I fall right into it every time. I don't even doubt half the time when I'm rewatching it, and I know full well that it's not. Yeah, the well, they also built them a street at some point on the lot. I forget it was fourth mm-hmm. or fifth season. Yeah, I can't remember when, but once they got a budget and they actually built them a full street on the lot, and I think that helped as well. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty much New York, just a lot cleaner. Because if you come <laughs> here now, it's it's a lot of filth. <laughs> I haven't been to New York in a while. I was up there not too long ago. It's it's a sight for sure. I mean, it's a it's a an amazing place. I'll never live anywhere else if I have the option. But yeah, sure. There are you, there are certain things that you just really get used to that people when they first come here are not used to, and that's pretty obvious. Yeah. In terms of the language of the show, too, I always found it hilarious how they they got around a lot of FCC restrictions in what they were able to joke about because they would often say without saying. Mm-hmm. It's kind of uh, I'm trying to think of a great example of it. Well, I mean, the um, whole the whole episode of the contest, I think, was a very, yeah. very good example. Oh, yeah. and That's probably the best example. Which, yeah. Yeah. I mean, managing to never say the word masturbation for a whole episode about a contest about masturbation. To be fair, when I was a young kid, I didn't know what the fuck it was about, really. I thought it was kind of just about having yeah. sex. I didn't realize that that was <laughs> the idea of it. And then a little older I got, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. That makes sense. So much of that humor went over my head when I watched that show as a kid. I like, too, the late payoff for that. I don't know if they... Did they ever decide when they were doing that episode who was actually going to win the contest, but then decide let's... let's yeah, he wins, but you don't find out, I think, until a season yeah. later or something when he's doing the hand modeling and someone's yeah. afraid that he might get too into his hands. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think when they're sleeping at night, the, there's an indication that it could have been him at the, the very last bit. But 
Um, yeah, I don't think it's totally it's decided like in the episode. Applied, yeah, yeah, and the whole the whole John F. Kennedy Jr. thing in that. One. Yeah, well, because you never see you never see George break. You see Kramer break right away. Hilarious, amazing moment. Um, then we then Elaine mentions that she broke, and then you're seeing Jerry right as he's about to break when he with the woman across the street, and then I think. That yeah, but you never see George. You see George getting there with that nurse um, at the at the hospital, but you never really. They never really know. It's a lot more obvious that all three of the others did. Yeah, no, thinking about it too. Some of the, and Brian, you mentioned it earlier, but yeah, some of the stuff I you know growing up, I I always I didn't appreciate it more as I got older and I started rewatching it. But I would always remember my parents watching it, everybody talking about it and be like, what, what is this? I don't, I don't understand. But years later now I completely, I get it, especially for the time. Some of the things they were touching on the humor and how they were doing it. My uncle and aunt, my uncle George and my aunt Cheryl, her brother and sister, they, I know really loved it. And then my grandmother got on board and she became a massive Seinfeld fan and watched it all and everything. And that was about, the, and a little after that, I got into it. But my parents were never fans. My father only ever, I, I saw him, if he'd walk in when I was watching it, he would only laugh at Kramer, was pretty much it. Kramer's this slapstick. <laughs> oh, wow. Which, I mean, the physical comedy, which was just next level. I mean, that, yeah. you know, when he's having the f-ing seizure, that's, I, I can't tell you how hard that f-ing is to, to commit to that bit. I mean, unbelievable yeah yeah Mike, michael richards was was so strong in that show yeah and how how they found all the the parts for that that are so that just as good as they are i'll never fully wrap my head well yeah i mean amazing auditioning i guess i mean really good casting but yeah eventually it became pretty clear and i i think that the, i think they had a good casting process too because they in the the pitch episode they make it seem it's so terrible yeah but the the guy I can never remember this the guy's name that they they cast in the show for Kramer. Oh yeah yeah yeah. I think he was a guy who actually auditioned for Kramer in the first place. He was an initial auditionee, but yeah, it's it's pretty interesting. Yeah, and, and then they have Jerry Jeremy. Didn't he audition for George? He's the guy. He plays the guy who auditions for George, and he totally nails yeah. it. Yeah, and George doesn't get it. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. Yeah. I was kind of surprised that they didn't do the Larry David play and just have Larry David come in. Uh, yeah, that wouldn't have surprised me either. That would have been a funny choice. But I don't think at that point he wanted to act, really. Yeah, he does. I don't think he really appears in the show up until that point. Not much. There's just a few. We talked about the few moments where he's playing very random, very far between little scene characters. Yeah, and it's mostly his voice. Yeah, I always forget when I watch the show when certain storylines start. And I'm always surprised when certain ones start later in the, in the series. Yeah. I mean, Festivus doesn't come until the last season. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I know, right. It that blows just, me away every time. It's, it's crazy. The, the, the big, some of the big things from that show that didn't come till the later seasons. And you're like, wow, I thought you would assume that they would have been so much earlier, but. I'm just thinking now of like, man, almost every episode that I can think of has, there's just so many little things, those those mundane things that are so quotable now and just have entered our pop culture. I'm thinking, you know, the, the Junior Mint, the, mm-hmm. 
the when George doesn't want to give yada, his yada. doesn't want to give his code at the ATM. The guy's the guy's stuck in the ATM and there's a fire <laughs> and he wants the code. The marble rye. I, I mean, the list just goes on and it's like, wow, yeah. I, I never really appreciated it, even until I think just the second the amount of creative effort and work that went in to doing this and all it like all of it's just still prevalent in culture. Like people just quote like not even quote it, but it's they they've almost become like vernacular. I mean, du- on, double dipping, on. I think, was yeah. A, yeah. an initial Seinfeld thing. I don't think that was really talked about before that or much, yeah. if anything. But then the idea of double dipping, which has become such a normal, normally talked about thing. And I remember even as a kid, you dipped the, the double, chip, you, know. you took a bite, you dipped again. <laughs> yeah, just anything like that, where it's just still surprising that it just came from this sitcom. I mean, I don't know if um, It's Not You, It's Me was really that much of a cultural thing That's before true. this. Yeah, I, I have no idea. Yeah, I'd have to look. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just <laughs> crazy. I mean, I, they could take anything they wanted and blow it up, but a lot of it was their own stuff. Me for, okay, I was just going to say, I've always wondered if, if you did do yeah. it today, or rather not even have the show today, just... Uh, just to have the Seinfeld characters air out some of the things going on in our world today with how, how would they make more jokes about the internet or, or, or dating now in, in today's world, things like TikTok, stuff like that. I'd, I'd be curious to see how that would, how, how those characters would interact with it, assuming they're out of, they're out of jail after the end of the show. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're only supposed to be in there for a year. I do remember there have been several spec scripts that I've seen over time that people have done more modern takes. But, yeah, it would be interesting with the mind of Larry and, and Jerry actually doing it. But we see a lot of that stuff in Curb, which is the, the blessing yeah, 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 of, of yeah. Curb. Yeah, I thought it was kind of great that we were we were gifted that after the after you know the finite ending of Seinfeld, it's kind of like you get a little taste of what more Seinfeld. Yeah, even the episode where the where they do the Seinfeld reunion. I mean, that's a very clear. It's a much more what where are they at now sort of feel. Yeah, and I think it was smart of them to do it that way because it was. I don't feel they could have done an actual Seinfeld reunion that wouldn't have felt hokey or whatever. But the the perfect way to do it was just as a little bit blurb and curb. Yeah, I think you have to give them a lot of credit for lasting through the pandemic and not doing it for the amount of things yeah. that came back and sitcoms included and did reunions of some sort. I mean, Friends did a reunion type thing. I mean, I know that uh, Will and Grace did several. Re- episode or several seasons of a newer version of the show that sort of thing and they didn't they didn't they didn't bite which i think was a good choice they would have made a ton of money from it well yeah of course i mean but i, I think it was a the right choice not to yeah i agree you know yeah, you yeah. you have something that good where there's only probably two episodes of that whole series that i'm not a big fan of, of um certain episodes i'll watch less but certain two that like, I never really liked the Puerto Rican Day episode, and I never really liked the last episode that much. And and those two, between those two episodes, um, that was nine seasons. It was 180 episodes, and there were two that I'm not a huge fan of. It's the Puerto Rican Day, is that yeah, the one where it goes nuts. backwards? I I, he, no, I like that episode. That's the episode where they go to India. I, I really enjoy that episode. Oh, one of my favorite parts yeah. is George talking about having a stomachache, and he's like, I don't know, I might, it might have been something I ate. And then, right, and then they cut backwards, and he goes, I'll take the Clams Casino. He goes, really? And he goes, yeah, chef recommends. And I just really love that. I always call that one memento before memento happened. (laughs) I mean, pretty much, yeah. (laughs) It was one of the only times they ever did, they only ever ever had a gimmick to an episode. They didn't do that much. And then sitcoms 
really would do that pretty consistently after that. I mean, if you watch the amount of Seinfeld or of, 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 of sitcom trope episodes dating back to the f-ing Flintstones with, with Fred having to go to two different places at the same time, and the amount of times that that's even been done, where one character is going to the same, has to go to two different dates or two different situations in the same at the, at the same night and everything, and wearing different outfits, and it, it always ends in a catastrophe or whatever. There's so many episodes like that in other sitcoms, and not just that, not just that specific thing, but but episodes that are very clearly using scenarios set up from sitcoms past i think a lot of modern sitcoms just have a roadmap of episodes to draw from now whereas back in the early 90s was it was slimmer pickings for you know you had to kind of come up with uh, some some more original ideas yeah you know and i think some shows have come up with original ideas but i do think that occasionally they beat them to death i mean the, the no, absolutely like, there's shows that stand out think about sure. the paintball episode in community and they did it how many times they're so good the halloween heist in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and then they did it how many times and kept trying to make yeah. it fresh and different because the first ones were so well-lauded and enjoyed. Well-received, absolutely. Just a few examples, but it happens Community a lot. Community is a great show. Community is a great show. I mean, Jim Rash is the, as the dean is one of my favorite sitcom characters ever, and he's yeah. phenomenal, yeah. I mean, Andre Brower is, is, is Captain Holt is another one of my favorite characters ever on Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So, I mean, they have, ama- like, they have an amazing show and a lot of really great things in them. But yeah, occasionally we get to a point where it's like, okay, you've done this episode now five or six times. And no matter how you spin it, it's still very clearly a repeat. Yeah. And I think part of what made Seinfeld unique too was it kind of broke the writing format of a lot of sitcoms of the time. It was typically you had a show, it would do an A and a B story and then B would come back and it was pretty formulaic. You could kind of predict how it was going to happen. Whereas with Seinfeld, it was there sometimes there was an A and B story. Sometimes there was just an A story with the whole group or sometimes there was an A, B and C story and you don't even come back to the A story. It was just, it was kind of did its own thing and played by its own rules. Well, some of the best Seinfeld episodes follow a, a pattern. They do, they, they do, but it's, in fact, there's a, we were talking improv, there's a very specific improv style called the Herald. Yeah. And it's this style in which you have three scenes, then you have a group scene, and then you have three more scenes, and then another group scene, and then you have the very quick third beat. And the third beats are a lot of times dragging and, and mixing things together from the other theme you have one a two a and three a and then you have one b two b three b and then you have the third beats and they can be they can be three a three b three or they could just be they're an amalgamation of all of the other things bringing it all together is oftentimes what makes it so good and you're following the game of each scene there's a lot in seinfeld that is that the best some of the best episodes i mean we're talking about the marine biologist episode maybe the best episode if not one of the best one of my favorites for sure and that plays a lot with with the with that idea as well i mean bringing and connecting the kramer and george storyline at the end and it's it's that sort of it, it is those episodes that really get talked about as as ones that were I mean you look at the soup Nazi episode I mean the Elaine storyline yeah. mixes with the soup Nazi storyline and then and then that's the big finale is her getting the recipes from his armoire that was stolen earlier from it's because he she had one stolen earlier and Kramer was involved in that and then it, it's a it's a pretty. I guess a lot of times it does kind of pull a lot of things to a head at the very end. Yeah, I think that was kind of the point. Was kind of okay. Let's. I mean, not every episode's like that. 
but the, some of the more talked about ones, some of the ones that are bigger in popular culture as far as just theme and what they were able to do were because of that. Yeah, it was setting up setting up multiple jokes that all have the, the same punchline at the end. Yeah, and you talked about not connecting with um, certain formulaic sitcom ideas. They didn't do that, but they definitely, they really blazed their own trail and they did a lot of episodes that were, I mean, look at the parking garage episode. They did an entire episode yeah. in a parking garage. They did an entire episode in a Chinese restaurant that was just them in this restaurant talking and waiting for a table. And that's a very early episode. It's the ones that they did kind of break the mold on. I think that's one of the one of the first ones that broke their concept, I think, was the Chinese uh, restaurant one. It was. It was I, a lot of people come back to and talked about that one because I feel like that was where they really struck the iron. Yeah, I think I think the thing that made Seinfeld so rememberable for lack of a better term, or still talked about, is that when they broke the mold, it was done with an, an a real intent, and it's and it landed almost every time. I mean, they really did things that that hadn't been done, but found their own way to do them, and have been have been copied but not perfected since. Really, yeah. I could rant about the show forever. It's it's got so many it's got so many things about it that made it unique. Well, there was even that time. Just recently, Brian, remember uh, just Jerry's stupid little thing during the Red Dot episode with the sweater? Oh, my like, God. I, would just you, be... I think you and I probably, I think we we obsessed over that for yeah. like, had to have been like two years. Yeah, because I would just say this thing when someone would say stuff to me and my answer would be, ask me a question. I'd be, um, I don't know. I, I don't know. <laughs> and I was like, it's in Seinfeld. I swear and it's in I Seinfeld. S- and we couldn't think of the episode. We watched, We must have watched the show straight through back. I literally bought the show on Vudu just to watch it to find this. <laughs> and he and I were, were losing our minds. I don't know what f***ing episode You should have just called me. Like three times <laughs> over since we started talking about it. You should have called me. I would have told you in seconds. I should have called you is what I should have done. <laughs> I would have been oh like, oh, God. yeah, I, I can't tell you how many times we sat up until like 3 a.m. watching through trying to find it. Yes, but I was I was overjoyed when I did finally stumble upon it. I didn't realize again it was it was earlier on. Nick had mentioned I I thought it would have been later. I was focusing on this has to be maybe yeah. season five or, or, or later. No, this was season three. I think it's it's the cashmere sweater and there's the there's the one flaw in it. Yeah, because George because George wants to buy Elena a Christmas gift and she got him the job. She got him the job. She got him a job. She went, he wanted to buy her a Christmas gift, and he saw this cashmere sweater, and they were going to give him a, It was a big discount because it was a red the dot. man that mm-hmm. he is. I think the beauty of that, too, is if you watch the show, you can't see the dot. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the funniest part of it. You can't see it. It's it's there. And it's I love the line that Jerry has whenever he uh, George keeps asking him, "Can you see it? <laughs> Pretend you didn't know it was there." Uh, you know what I you know what I was you know what I see? I see a cheap man trying to get out of this. That's where you get the great episode the great whole bit of Elaine trying to use reverse psychology on George. Yeah. What did you what, Jerry told me that you she tricked you. did this and he goes, What did you tell him? He goes, I didn't, you stupid idiot. She <laughs> <laughs> <We> tricked you. <laughs> I know so many people that try and use that bit in real life too. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's tried and true. I guess so. So what are your what are your some if you had to pick one, one singular episode of Seinfeld, I'll start with Han. Han, what's your what's your number one go to favorite? You know what I think my favorite is? I think is I get them confused, but I think it's, I want to say it's the, 
theater episode is my favorite. I don't know why. It's where they're mm-hmm. all they're all trying to go see one movie together, but they're not. Mm-hmm. Playing. One's playing in the other theater, and George keeps losing his. He keeps having to use someone else's ticket to get in because he can't find his stub. Um, I think that just because that's <laughs> especially then that was something that a lot can happen a lot. And even still, you know, if you go to the theater, um, maybe not so much because things are digital. But yeah, that I think that's one I always if that's on, I will I will watch that episode constantly. Yeah. I think is that the one too where Kramer's friend is bootlegging too, or is that a different one? That's a different episode. Yeah, the one you're thinking of one. is is I think the movie is the what is is what it's called. Is it called okay because they're all going and then the checkmate is the other film. They're all trying yes, to checkmate. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. trying to see checkmate. And I think Jerry ends up seeing that yeah, one dick worker won't let George go, even though he saw him a bunch of times. Yep. Yeah. He'll, he'll, I think he just lets Kramer in at one point. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's funny. And I think Jerry ends up seeing Rochelle Rochelle or something with, with uh, one, his a comedian <laughs> friend at the time in the show. Yeah. That's also, yeah. What the, Jerry's also trying to get to multiple stand up gigs. Yes. And he yes. keeps missing his slot. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So that would be one that of would my, be one of my. That's definitely what's your favorite. Yeah. yeah, the one, the one with um, the bootlegging. I think is is that one. I think it's called the Little Kicks. That's later in. The, oh, that's yeah. right. Yes, that's the Little Kicks one. Yes, Emily's yeah. film Elaine yeah. dancing. Yeah, you think that's that her right. dancing right. came in season eight? Yeah, like crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it is crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. So, Brian, why don't you? Do you have your favorite? I mean, I know mine already, but mine was. Pr- if I'm forced to pick, I have probably ten that are my favorites. But if I'm forced to pick one, it's probably Marine Biologist. Yeah, I mean, it's a great episode. It's not a. It's not a bad choice. It's, I mean, if that finisher, that ending monologue by George is so good. Yeah, it was written on the day, right? Yeah, and yeah, it was, it was the Kramer storyline coming through with the Titleist. And- yeah. Oh, just it, it's it, it's another it's another good example of I, I think anytime George's lying is like a central point of the show. Yeah, I think that it was some of the best gold of the show. Yeah, that was season five, I believe. My favorite episode came a little bit earlier. Is it my turn? Can I go? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Shoot. It was uh, season three, episode five. I remember because I watch it so often. Uh, it was the library. My favorite. <laughs> yes. I love that one. Because there is nothing better than the library cop going to Jerry's apartment, <laughs> Lieutenant uh, it was a Bookman. And he uh, it was it was Philip Baker Hall plays it. And um, that scene is my favorite scene in all of Seinfeld. That scene where he goes into Jerry's apartment and they and he just dresses Jerry down. He's like, Maybe that's how you get your kicks. You and your good time buddies. <laughs> I mean, it's just you know. I don't know what kind of music you listen to. Rock was never my bag, but you put on a pair of shoes when you walk into the New York Public Library, Mister. I mean, there's so many. It's episode. It's my favorite. Yeah, that episode. Just they nailed that one. Yeah, that, you're, like you said, that was that was fairly early on. That's and George is fine. Issy's his old gym teacher, and I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, with his baked bean teeth. Oh, the Keith Hernandez. I the uh, the other one I would probably choose if I was on the fence between it would be the Keith Hernandez episode. Which one? The first one? The the one where where it's also Jimmy and Delane's the Jimmy's name. Yeah, and they're they're trying to sell the shoes with the jumping. <laughs> yeah, I mean <laughs> Keith Hernandez was a really crazy guest star as well to have him on multiple episodes as this as just a athlete coming in to play a character, and he he was yeah he did a great job nailed it. 
and just playing himself, which was super fun. Yeah. I'm Keith Hernandez. I'm Keith Hernandez. I love the JFK one too, the or where they use the second spitter. Yeah. With Oh, uh, that that's uh, the episode. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the first one. Yeah, that's um that's an amazing moment too, the whole made even funnier because Wayne Knight is actually in JFK. Yeah, and they're, they it's it's great cuz they they take several scenes from the film and 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 parry them like they did Mid- cowboy in another mm-hmm. episode and they did it a few times in yeah. the show i mean they had the when when jerry's father gets kicked out as as president of the condo board i think when he gets impeached and that 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 whole like nixon walk away and the music i mean it's just yeah. it's brilliant it's brilliant <laughs> yeah choice it's what got me to watch Midnight Cowboy the first time. I'll tell you that that the episode where they do all that stuff is the reason I watched Midnight Cowboy for the first time. So, which is <laughs> a great awesome. film, yeah, great New York film. I loved how it wasn't even just popular movies and stuff that they referenced. They even pulled in just notable news moments. Oh history. yeah, and like they they grabbed the the OJ Bronco thing. Mm-hmm. Yep, the, uh, Kramer. <laughs> like, there was just little moments that that they just he wants to see his fish. I'm taking him to see his fish. <laughs> yeah. Just brilliant, though. I think you hit it on the head when you said there's only out of, what, 172, 190 episodes? 180. Uh, 180. I was was close. I was in there. (laughs) Um, That there was only two that you didn't really like. So that's, I mean, that's just a testament to this this treasure trove of of storytelling. It was only really the last couple. They just didn't feel like the show to me because they were so, they were, the first one was mostly in the line at the parade and... Yeah, it just doesn't land for me the same way. And the last one was just really not in New York. And it, it, you, it felt it. But I mean, even the ones where they would go to L.A., yeah. it felt like yeah. a show. The, the stuff, the last episode just felt different to me in, in, in a lot of ways. And formula was felt different. And yeah. But, you know, I'm not here gotta, to complain about the finale because that's been done enough. <laughs> I do got to give a, an honorable mention to the label maker episode with because I just remember... Kramer and Newman playing Risk. Yeah, and them playing Risk yeah. throughout, throughout yeah, yeah. that whole episode. Oh my God, so good. I yeah, think Nick, did, we, when we were in college, we had the, the Risk boards going. Oh yeah, I loved Risk. I still do. I feel like that was partially inspired by the show because we kept just kicking plays going, you know, yeah. just in between classes. We had, a, we had a board going for weeks. I mean, it might have been. I mean, it was definitely, I bet that was something that got popular from the show too. Yeah, the world of uh, the the game of world domination. I have a risk board right here. I can see it from where I'm at. Teetering on annihilation. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a great show, and I I, I think uh, it'll endure for years and years to come, especially now that it's kicking around the streaming services. Mm-hmm. You know, they they change the contract every couple. The weeks. popularity goes up and down. I mean, it it, it it gets into the zeitgeist every once in a while for whatever reason. Similar to The Office, where they just peaks and valleys now now that it's not on but it's because yeah. of the quality of the show it was it it will yeah endure like you said and it'll just keep coming back at different times and yeah i think it's i think it's the greatest show maybe ever made I, i'd hard, have to agree there. yeah hard to argue with well boys thank you for having me absolutely yeah absolutely thanks for coming on nick i mean dude anytime you want to be on I mean, this is this is a pleasure honestly yeah well yeah you let me know when you want to do a podcast about wings the tv show or any various yeah or will and grace or any various 90s sitcoms <laughs> that i know a lot about or uh or star trek or anything else i'm i'm your man well we got yeah we gotta do a star trek one absolutely man i'm down for star trek yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> cool man thanks so much i appreciate you i love, yeah. I miss love you yeah yeah
just <laughs> I'm just blacked out. What I'm happened? Just, I blacked out. <laughs> Dad? 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 Um, Dad? <laughs>